This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. When it comes to Pod Meets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to 303 mile range, available two-way charging and other category defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched out electric vehicles ever. And as you know, we are tech heads. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250 plus kilowatt DC fast charger. And with the available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car, backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. What if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that's exactly what you'll get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. I want to see where you guys land on this because I think it's a, a product of having grown up without television. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot be in a room with a television on. Like if there's a TV on, like I can't go to a restaurant or a bar with it. I stare at it the entire time. Like, it, like, so there's no such thing as comfort TV for me. Like, Will, you've talked about going to sleep with a television on. Oh, like, yeah. I, I will stay without it. Yeah, I couldn't oh, sleep without it. Oh my God. I'm the same way, writer. I can't stand it. I it to yeah, me, TV it. is not background noise. It's no. the focus. If yes. you're gonna watch it, it needs to be the entire focus. And I it want everyone else to be quiet through it. Yes. And I'm like, guys, this show is on. But if you'd like to talk, we can turn it off. I, I have right. no problem with either of them. But yeah. like, I it's not for me background noise. No. And you walk into some people's houses, like my in-laws, you know, yeah. they, they they just are one of those houses. They just always kind of had the TV on. It's mostly sports. Like my father-in-law watches right. sports. But oh my God, it drives me crazy. Yeah. And like, I walk into the house and everybody else acts as if like nothing's happening. And I'm like, you see this TV screaming at us right now? It is begging to be watched. What it are you people not, doing acting like there's nothing wonderful going on? things in your ear. That's what it's doing. We, we, we were not one of the, it's funny because you would think we would be one of those families. We weren't. We were not a lot like TV during meals, stuff like that. TV was oh, not really? allowed. Oh no, we were not allowed to have any of well, that on at any time. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And then we'd all, all right. gra- you know, g- gather around the old boob tube. But no, to me, it's weird because I, Sue and I are different in that she likes to sleep with the TV on too, but it has to be something she's seen 10,000 times. So she doesn't right. want to stay up and watch it. Right. Whereas even if I'm rolled over on my stomach, chances are I'm still watching it in my head. Right. No. So I when know. I hear MASH or Cheers or Seinfeld or something behind me, like Danielle, you recently, you and I were flying somewhere and you put Cheers back on on the flight. And yeah. I was like watching my screen, but glancing over and watching Cheers on Danielle's screen with no, like not being able to hear it, but still watching Cheers. And now it's, I'm completely back into Cheers. Oh, that's so funny. Because you just turned it on. So it's like all of a sudden I'm back. But I will like, and Sue will test me sometimes. Seinfeld or MASH will be on and I'll have, I'll be literally on my stomach with my arms like falling asleep and she'll go, what's happening on the screen right now? And I'll be like, George is sitting down. He's wearing a red shirt. He's on a couch and he's holding a cracked magazine with a bus on front. She's just like, how do you do that? It's like, (laughs) because I'm still watching it. Did I already tell you the story writer about when Will and I were flying together and he, he put the T so he has a screen in front of him on the seat and he goes to the TV and what it was that you put on? It was Veep. Veep. Okay. He puts Veep on and I, I see, I go, oh, he's watching Veep. Okay. And I'm just sitting next to him. I've got an audio book in whatever. Oh no, I was watching something too. I put something on and then Will turns it on. He watches it for maybe two minutes. And then all of a sudden he goes, <sighs> lowers his hat down over his eyes, leans back in his seat and goes to sleep. And I go, oh, Will's going to sleep. A few minutes later, the episode ends. Will's still asleep. And I go, oh, that's nice. The TV turned off. He can go to sleep. He goes, <clears throat> lifts up his hat, goes back to the thing, turns on that's a second episode episodes. of Veep, and then lowers his hat. And, and, fall- and I go, sleep. wait a minute. He just doing? put on an episode of Veep. What is he doing? And then I realized, oh, he actually woke up because the TV show stopped. Yeah. <laughs> and now in order to f- put the little baby back to sleep, he has to put... The episode of Veep back on. It that was is absolutely so, correct. He did it like four oh or five God. times. I was like, this is the worst sleep ever. I'd be miserable. That's awful. Yeah, I love that's it. like torture. That's, you're absolutely literally torturing torture. yourself awake every I love it. 22 no. minutes. Yeah. What about commercials? Can you guys handle commercials? I'm not a fan of commercials. That's why I, uh, yeah, the DVDs especially, like the advent of I could get all my favorite shows on DVD was yeah. just a revelation for me. The play yeah. all button was just like, oh, every time yeah. I hit play. I find commercials great. so jarring and bizarre. And like when I'm watching, I mean, I just can't, they're, they're like train wrecks. I just don't, it's like, yeah. I have to watch them, of course, because the TV's screaming at me. And, you, and often with commercials, they they are literally screaming at you. Right. And then I'm, I just like the world present, especially like, because I've been on the road now. Um, so we are in hotel rooms every once in a while, like when we were on doing our shows. And uh, it's the first time watching commercials with Indy, you know, sitting yeah. next to me. And like, I didn't realize that somewhere over the last like 20 years, basically a quarter of all commercials are pharmaceuticals. Mm. I think yeah. it's Which are accurate. Yeah. Mind boggling to me. Yeah. Like every fourth commercial, I'm like, what is happening? Like, this is a new thing that I didn't know I had a problem with that I need to be solved by this pill that I need to ask my doctor about. And this is then, and like suddenly I've gotten a glimpse into somebody's life and their pets and their kids yeah. and like what they do for a living. And it's like four minutes and all, you know, and Indy is just like, this is a thing. And I'm like, Oh God. Yeah. Like this is a thing. Apparently 
we all yeah. have diarrhea and I'm we need just help. On the fence about TV commercials, but boy, do I love podcast commercials. Yes, I love, think podcast commercials are great. Very true. They're yeah. funny. They're engaging. I, they're you know, clever. They're clever. Oh, I don't even notice personal. when they're on. Yeah, no. personal. Yeah, I feel no. like it's just you know my friends sitting they're around. Like a warm, com- comfy blanket. That's yeah. exactly right. The television. Oh, <laughs> I saw one last night. Sue and I were watching TV last night, and I literally saw one where the first side effect was death. <laughs> Whoops. Why do you need to hear the rest of them after that? Does it, does it matter that your skin's going to itch if the first thing that happens is you die? Like, well, it was like where do you go If you from don't here? die, you may still itch. May That's still why they itch. want you to know. You uh, may not die, but you may be itchy with loose bowels. Itchy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Isn't that just what being in love is like? Come on. Yikes. Oh, <gasps> welcome to Pod Meets Loose Bowels. I'm Danielle Fischel. <laughs> I'm Ryder Strong. And I'm Will Fordell. <laughs> Sorry, I was doing the announcer Ask TV commercial doctor. voice. <laughs> Ask your doctor. Ask your doctor. Pod Meets World is right for you. <laughs> We're taking the show on the road and visiting over a dozen cities as Pod Meets World is coming to a city near you. Next up is Philadelphia on September 30th at The Met for our biggest show yet. We'll be joined by Trina McGee, great person, Matthew Lawrence, great person, and Tony Quinn, who's a horrible garbage human being. No, you don't mean that, Will. Oh, no, it's the great smelling kind of garbage. You know, like outside a potpourri factory? I love you, Tony. Tickets are still available right now at podmeetsworldshow.com. And you can see our entire schedule, which includes stops in Cleveland, Toronto, and Pittsburgh in October. And so much more, including the release dates in Texas. Podmeetsworldshow.com right now. Get your tickets to see us live in a city near you. Well, if you have listened to the first two seasons of Podmeets World, you know that we talked a lot about the writer's room and the dynamics that lived inside it. We've joked numerous times that our podcast is more Rashomon than Rewatch, since everyone saw everything differently. And yet the truth lies probably somewhere in between all of our memories. Everyone named Topanga. Exactly. We already know how many how many stories about that there are. But one thing we always pointed out and we loved to see on screen was the name Susan Estelle Jansen, a rare female voice on the show. Her contributions to Boy Meets World are undeniable. In season one, she wrote Killer Bee, Santa's Little Helper and It's a Wonderful Night. In season two, The Uninvited, Fear Strikes Out, Cyrano and Wrong Side of the Tracks. Then. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but one of her two other scripts are in season four, and one is Hair Today, Goon Tomorrow. The legendary legendary hair cutting episode. She's written some big episodes. Right? Some bangers. Yeah. Yeah. So to say she helped steer the pop culture ship that was Boy Meets World would be an understatement. She was one of the sales. The Harvard and USC film school grad also wrote on Home Improvement and another Michael Jacobs show, You Wish. Then she was the executive producer for Lizzie McGuire and the writer of the Lizzie McGuire movie. And also she penned the live action Bratz movie. But she couldn't escape us because she came back and wrote for season one, the season one finale of Girl Meets World, which was called Girl Meets First Date. She's had quite a career and all during a time when you couldn't say quite a career for very many female writer producers in the industry. And today we are thrilled to reunite with her. Let's please welcome Susan Estelle Jansen to our podcast. Wow. 
my God. It is so good to see all of you guys. It's crazy. It's so good to see you. We were just talking about in your in your intro that you wrote the season, uh, the season finale of season one for Girl Meets World. But also, I remember you on set during our pilot. I was there. I came okay. down. I ran into, I came, I totally came uninvited. I crashed it. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> I ran into Michael in the lobby of an, the Disney Channel building. Okay. And he told me that he was doing it. I'm like, oh my God, I would love to stop by. And then I showed up for the pilot read and then I just stayed all week. Oh I just man. stayed all week <laughs> to help out because it was kind of, a little chaotic. Oh, you think? I'm, yeah. I, that's what I was saying. I was like, you you decided to stay? If anything, you'd be like, thank God I don't have to be here. <laughs> no, it was like, it was so amazing to see everybody. And even yeah. though it was chaotic, to feel a little bit of that old magic. Yeah. You were the uninvited, just like the script. Right. I was totally the uninvited. Wow. It could have ended very badly. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, it did not. Uh, so let's start with the easiest question we have. What got you into writing for TV? Oh, my God. So funny. So I had an uncle at Paramount who worked in the legal department and had negotiated all the contracts for the writers on Star Trek. Okay. To be sweetheart, if you can be funny, you can make a nice living. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, Star and that was it. That was it. You just started writing scripts. <laughs> that was literally it because I'd always thought of myself as sort of a very, you know, dark, moody person, and I'd never really tried to write comedy. And oh my god, this was a funny thing. Up until this point, literally up until that point, I did not own a television. And had never watched television. And I went out and I bought this little Funai, this off-brand TV with a little VCR thing in it. Yeah. And I bought the Funai and I bought a copy of I bought a copy of TV Guide. And I like looked up things that I should be watching on TV Guide. And I like set myself out like I'm gonna watch popular shows for a week. And um then um the president of television at Paramount like said, well, you know, this is our new show. And I think it was, it was called down home. It was a okay. new show called down home. And he gave me a pilot episode of down home. And he said, well, this is what the, this is what a script looks like, you know, and this is how you write it. And I went out and I bought the script writing software and I put it on my computer. And uh, five days later I turned in a script. And he had never expected to see me again. And I turned in the script and he read this and he said, you know, against all odds, I think you may actually be able to do this. Wow. So I'm going to turn you over to somebody who's like appropriately sized. I took this meeting as a favor. I'm far too important to waste my time with you, but I'm going to turn <laughs> you over to somebody appropriately sized. Um, right. He turned me over to uh, another development executive named Maria Crenna. Richard Crenna's daughter, and uh, she helped me put together a slate of um, of spec scripts and helped me find an agent. Wow, uh, unbelievable! I was still I was still in film school at the time. Wow. Okay, so we're also where you were at Harvard or Harvard and then USC Film School, which oh, I did my. not even know was a competitive admission. Jeez. Is Harvard is Harvard a, is that a university or it's a small private college back east. Oh, okay. 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 Interesting. Interesting. What was your major? 
English and American literature and language. And my mom was so disappointed when I got into the industry. So disappointed. What did she want you to do? A poet. She wanted me to be a poet. Wow. Yeah. I studied poetry. I won a National Endowment for the Arts Award when I was 17 for poetry. And she wanted me to like be a poet because words always, I'm going to get weepy. Words always meant so much to me. I was always, always, always loved writing. In fact, my earliest memory, I went to school with Tatum O'Neill, crazy, pushed her through a rose bush, bitch. And when I, I went, that story. <laughs> and uh, they asked me if I felt bad about it. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. She totally deserved it. What happened? Tell me the story. What happened? What'd she okay, do? So it was Montessori school. And we like, we were supposed to, there was like a big deal about who was first in line after playground for class. I think we were like four. Right. So, but like being that first person in line after recess to walk into the classroom and be first was a huge deal. I very seldom got it. I managed to make it first and Tatum decided that she was going to cut in in front of me and the front of the line happened to be right next to Rose Bushes. Well, so she was asking for it is what it sounds like. (laughs) Asking for it. Asking for it. But my that was my first memory of writing because at the school when we came back they said that we should write about Christmas vacation, right? So we were supposed to write like three sentences about Christmas vacation on that on the big paper with the you know the double lines. Oh yes, okay, we all remember. So I I wrote about Christmas vacation and they put it up on the board and I remember looking at it and reading it over and thinking. I didn't get it. Like, I didn't really capture. I didn't nail the Christmas vacation story. I didn't nail Christmas vacation fully. Did you, have you done a rewrite So your first feelings as a writer were (laughs) self-disappointment. Exactly. (laughs) So you were made to be a writer. (laughs) Speaking of which, I brought a souvenir, self-disappointment souvenir. So this, I don't think you guys even knew existed. It says, Dear ABC Channel 7, Ray Boy Meets World, we really enjoy Friday evening shows, but what is it with the writers for Boy Meets World? The storylines are boring, whereas Cooper and Step by Step are interesting and challenging. Get new writers for Boy Meets World. Thanks, B. Carisi. What? This is a fan letter? (laughs) That's my pen name. Yeah, she and she actually, you know, it's so funny. I never wrote back to her, but I do have her address. Well, maybe she's still there. Let's let's look it up. So if you're listening, B. Carisi. I saved that because I remember something showed that to me. I'm like, oh, I am taking that. I am framing that. I am putting that in my house and I'm keeping it forever. I love it. So how do you then, so they end up hiring you at Paramount. How do you end up on like the biggest show at that time, Home Improvement. And was that your first TV writing job? Well, my first TV writing job was actually on, it was almost on the, do you remember the Arsenio Hall show? Yes. With the dog pound. Yeah, but he, but it wasn't just the Arsenio Hall show. There was like another ancillary show that was like Arsenio or something. And they hired me to do that. And I showed up and they just, I don't think I was quite as urban as they had envisioned. Mm. They decided that they didn't actually want to hire me. Uh, so that was 
kind of hugely disappointing. And then I got hired to do one episode of this random show called Teach. Yep. I so remember I Teach. I do too. I, why do I remember that show? I, I feel like somebody else on the podcast has talked about Teach. Teach was the show about the black teacher at the white kid, the white boys boarding school back east. I Did feel Jeff like McCracken tra- ta- mentioned Teach? Somebody else has mentioned Teach on this no, podcast. Okay. I don't know who, so but somebody else has. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so teach. So maybe teach was like an amazing theater show for everybody. But um, but then I I got the interview with the with the three guys who did Home Improvement, and they hired me on, and I had no idea how huge it was going to be. But I had a it was before the internet, and I had this insane mind for trivia and just remembered random stuff. So I was like the voice of Wilson. I was a person that they could always count on to pull some like strange piece of information out of my head. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I love that guy. He was so nice. He drank brown liquor and he was married to a woman who was an ordained minister. Oh, oh that's cool. That's very cool. He, yes. What's the brown liquor? Bourbon. Like bourbon or whiskey, whiskey or scotch. Yeah. I mean, it was just the like, stuff. he was yeah. just sitting in his dressing room and drank brown liquor. We talk a lot about moms on this podcast and how important they are to us. Absolutely. Without Jen Fischel, what pictures would we post on our social media? But above and beyond all the incredible mom things they did for us, laundry, dinners, let us travel to Los Angeles alone to chase our dreams of acting. Will, what what else was your mom doing? Uh, My mom was also running all three courts in Connecticut while authoring books. Wow. Well, whether your mom was a legal trailblazer or just the greatest source of inspiration and care in the world, this Mother's Day, she deserves some flowers. You are right. And that's why I'm sending mine farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And while I'm teaching you things, how about 25% off your entire Books order so you can join us in treating our mothers to a beautiful arrangement? Love it. Here's why I like the Books Company. They are different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. That's really cool. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Your mom is unique, so she deserves flowers just as special. And Books is simple. I went online, picked the delivery date, and I'm done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your Books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Go to books.com and use promo code WORLD for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com promo code WORLD. Books promo code WORLD. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh... Every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by the experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, 
you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. As a podcast focused on reliving memories from our past, I can tell you firsthand, as you get older, your memory just isn't as reliable as it used to be. Yeah, if we didn't have Will here, there would be a lot of dead air. <laughs> that is true, Robert. Well, guys, since I know you need a little help, you're going to love Legacy Box. It's the safest way to digitize your home videos and pictures, even when you think you don't have a way to watch them anymore. Oh, this is perfect, especially with Mother's Day right around the corner. It really is the perfect gift for the whole family, whether it's a sweet 16 or college graduation. First steps or performing a Backstreet Boys dance in between scenes on your childhood network sitcom. This is the way to reconnect with your history. The process is so easy. You just fill your legacy box with old VHS or camcorder tapes, pictures, negatives, film reels. I mean, they even work with over 15 different types of analog media, so they have you covered. Then you just send the box back and their team professionally digitizes everything by hand in the U.S. And you'll get it all back on the cloud or on a thumb drive along with your originals. I recently sent off my first box to Legacy Box and I got into my old storage unit and found about 40 tapes, all different media. And I was able to label each one and send it off. I cannot wait to see what these tapes hold. Jensen and I also recently got some of his home videos digitized and being able to hear his parents' voices again has been a real gift. So join over 1.5 million families that have trusted Legacy Box with their memories. Go to LegacyBox.com slash world to save 60% during their best Mother's Day sale ever. It's time to connect with your past and make sure those memories are preserved properly. That's LegacyBox.com slash world. Well, another one of your scripts was for an episode called, called Haunting of Taylor House. Do you remember working with a young pre-Sean Hunter, Ryder Strong. On Wait a minute, that? she wrote that episode? Are you kidding? Haunting of Taylor House, yes. yes. Ryder Strong was Rankin on thing. that episode. Yeah, yeah I'm the kid, who the, who the brat who calls it full-time and gets kicked out, of scared by the haunted house. Are you serious? We never made this connection? It was uh -uh. only like two years we later. We never made this connection. <laughs> I can't believe that. You wrote my episode of Home Improvement. I love yes, it. I launched, I launched your career. I'm so happy. That actually <laughs> makes me really, really, really happy. That's cool. Oh my God. That's so funny. Isn't that funny? Especially because Home Improvement was probably one of the reasons you were called in for Boy Meets World. Yeah. Well, I was really close to being a regular on Home Improvement. I went back. I auditioned for every brother. Like when they were sense. doing the pilot, I, you know, and I was like sort of in between ages. I'm like yeah. slightly older than Jonathan or, or actually Zach was younger, but just bigger. I know. I remember they kept like shuffling all of us around. And like, I, I just remember reading for home improvement like six times. I don't think I ever networked for it, but I got close and I remember being like, ugh, and then getting the guest star, whatever, a year or two later. Um, and then, yeah. And then that, like that awareness of me as an ABC, like kid actor, Probably did lead to Boy Meets World. Yeah. Sure. That's so funny. Yeah. And so, Susan, how did Boy Meets World come into your life? Like, how was it pitched to you? Were you aware of the show before? I came in right after the pilot was shot. So <laughs> I saw the pilot. There was, I did two years on home improvement and then they let me go. So I was, which was, it was a really, really, really bad moment for me. They let me go. They just, they, they didn't renew my option for the third year. Wow. Um, and so I was looking around and I interviewed on a couple things and um, I really liked Michael. I, and honestly, it was, 
I think my career wound up being so much better than it would have been if I had just continued working for the guys. Yeah. Um, On home improvement. On home improvement, because they were very, very insular. And I was not involved with anything outside of the writer's room. And once I moved over to Boy Meets World and Michael, he was all about growing talent. He was really all about you were involved in anything. You were involved in the casting of your episode. You know, when your episode is shooting, you can go down. Well, if you could find time, you could go down to the stage. So, yeah. How did you meet Michael? In that process. Okay. Oh, in the in the hiring process for Boy Meets World. Okay. Yeah. Literally in the hiring process. Wow. So we have obviously dissected that first season writer's room a lot. So we don't need to go too deep into it. And I I said, I said to your husband, like, it's Rashomon. It's like a totally different. Yeah. Because everyone has a totally different take on your origin story. Okay. It's on BuzzFeed. Yeah, totally. Okay. What's your take? Okay. So my take was that you came in, we, we had a show that was like um, a science fair show. And there were two girls who were yes. doing some like yippy skippy ecological project about that, I was one of those. Yes. We're one of those. No lines. I had a couple lines. Yeah. No, you did not. I, I did because I auditioned with Monday. Them. No, and Monday on, you may have auditioned for them later, but on Monday you had, you may have auditioned, but you did not have lines on Monday. Well, it also wasn't a Monday. It was a Friday. Friday. We started our weeks on Fridays. We taped on Thursdays because Michael left for the Sabbath right. on Friday right. night. So it wouldn't have been a Monday. Forgot so that. I was and only there on, on a Saturday. Correct. We worked on Saturdays. I forgot right. that it was a different schedule. So again, see Rashomon. Okay. So Friday. <laughs> so we're reading on Friday. Yeah. You, I don't remember you having lines on Friday, but I remember David Trainer coming to us, I guess, Monday, Tuesday, saying that with love, Riley was not working out, but that he had real faith in you uh-huh. and that he was giving you lines. And we're like, okay, we'll come down to, we'll come down to run through and see how it goes. We completely agreed with him. And by Thursday taping, you had all the lines. Yeah, but no, that's not at all what happened. <laughs> No, no, that's not at all what happened. Friday, I was at the table read. I had a, I had like maybe two lines, one in the classroom, one in the cafeteria. And it was Marla and I. Friday afternoon, before I went home, I auditioned for Topanga. On the way home, they called me and said, you have the role of Topanga. On Monday, I came back in as Topanga and did the run through. I did the whole day as Topanga. I don't remember her having a name in that episode. Yeah, yeah. she did. She had a name from the audition. I remember, I remember because I auditioned for Topanga. I just didn't get it. It's so crazy because I would have thought that if you went and looked at his script, because we had, we, we had no interest in the character at all mm-hmm. until you, Danielle, like the character was a big, was all, that whole episode was about basically about Topanga and her name was in it from, from the beginning. So yeah, I mean, it is, it's just, you this know, memories so are weird. I remember it. I, this is again, Rashomon. This is how I remember. <laughs> I remember it, that it started out as this nothing role. You didn't have lines. You were given the lines of the other actress who kind of fell by the wayside, right? That you got the lines and that after the episode, as we are watching it tape, magic was happening and we're like well right. I, be- I believe that part i do think that topanga wasn't ever even after i got yeah. the part topanga wasn't expected to become 
a massive part of the show. And I I do know stories because my parents and my grandparents were there at the live studio audience tapings and they would watch from the stands, but where they would sit in the stands were very, was very close to Video Village. And my grandfather used to tell me every single thing Michael said about me while watching the screen. <laughs> and I know that there were, on that first taping, Michael was like right in front of the camera l- pointing at me and going, there's something there, there's something there. Like, And, and so I do 100% know that after I booked the role and we started, we recorded that episode, light bulbs were going off that maybe there could be more for this character and this actress like that for sure is that's for sure no one no one has even questioned that i think topanga was not supposed to be some like you know i don't don't remember you having a name until we started writing you into scripts topanga was already in the script i just wasn't her on the first day somebody else was and then i took over the role on that first day monday the run-through day and and it it stayed the same monday tuesday wednesday thursday okay that's interesting because i wouldn't i would not have thought that we would have given those few lines a name yeah well i I auditioned for them and they were pretty overwhelmed and lazy (laughs) i know (laughs) no yeah she was she was named by um bill lawrence or michael (laughs) jacobs or, or Jeff, Jeff Sherman. Sherman, Jeff Sherman, or Ed Decker and John Strauss, or <laughs> so we've heard nineteen Everybody's different stories. <laughs> Everyone's taking credit. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Mike Jacobs because he drove past Topanga Canyon every day back and forth to work. Yeah, right. that's the story. That's, that's the, the story heard, that, that Michael yeah. tells, and my, and everybody has their own. Everyone has their Everyone's own. Bill Lawrence, got their own. Bill Lawrence has got one. Yep. Bill Lawrence has got one. That Lawrence is because Bill of who? his last name. Yeah, <laughs> no, right. who's that guy? <laughs> so, what was it like for? I mean, a rare female writer in what has everyone admitted was just a big boys' club at the time. Like the '90s writers' rooms were big old boys' club. What was your experience like? It was rough. It was, it was, well, it was a lot of things. I mean, I will not betray the sanctity of the writer's room because like that was the thing about the writer's room was it was this incredibly insulated space. Like literally as soon as the door opened and somebody walked in, it was silent. Yeah. Mm. And as soon as the door closed, it took back up again and what I will say in defense of the writer's room was that anything went like there, it had to be a place where you could pitch absolutely anything, anything and feel like you could say, anybody could say anything. Yes. That's great. So for better or for worse, that's kind of a rough environment to be in as a, you know, I was in my twenties. Oh sure. my gosh. I was younger than... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was young. I mean, you were like 20 some odd years younger than we are now. (laughs) (laughs) So I was, so it was, it was a lot to be thrown into. um, And it was, it was, it was crazy. Did you feel heard? Did you feel like you were? Okay, good. You felt like your voice mattered. Oh my God. Yeah. Great. That's great. Absolutely. I felt like, I felt like um, I really felt like from the jump, Michael really thought I had a lot to offer. Great. So that really, so I felt really, really good about that. And I just adored the show. But you remember there were years that I was gone from it because Michael me off to do like other projects with him. Yep. 
that happened with a lot of people. That's how, you know, that's it. We had different showrunners for periods of time because Michael was off doing, you know, a bunch of other shows, which when you strike while the iron's hot, baby, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I have, I have a question for you. You said you came in at the pilot. Um, at the pilot had been shot. The, the pilot had been shot. After, so at yeah. the after the pilot, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, do you, were you involved in my casting at all? Because I know that they were they changed everything up after the pilot. No, I remember uh, Rusty was a huge question mark afterwards. But that was at you. You say so you were. I, I'm trying to remember who was actually in the room when I was like auditioning or uh, screen testing, and I was just didn't know if you were there or not. I honestly can't remember. The one that I remember really, really, really being involved with was recasting the dad, recasting Rusty. Right. For Rusty, yeah, because the yeah, dad, yeah. there was a different dad. Yeah, Matt recasting McCoy. and grab, yeah. 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 We talk a lot about moms on this podcast and how important they are to us. Absolutely. Without Jen Fischel, what pictures would we post on our social media? But above and beyond all the incredible mom things they did for us, laundry, dinners, let us travel to Los Angeles alone to chase our dreams of acting. Will, what, what else was your mom doing? Uh, my mom was also running all three courts in Connecticut while authoring books. Wow. Well, whether your mom was a legal trailblazer or just the greatest source of inspiration and care in the world, this Mother's Day, she deserves some flowers. You are right. And that's why I'm sending mine farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And while I'm teaching you things, how about 25% off your entire books order so you can join us in treating our mothers to a beautiful arrangement? Love it. Here's why I like the Books Company. They are different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. That's really cool. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Your mom is unique, so she deserves flowers just as special. And Books is simple. I went online, picked the delivery date, and I'm done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your Books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Go to Books.com and use promo code WORLD for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com promo code WORLD. Books promo code world. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by the experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. 
Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. So I just want to remind everybody about some of our favorite storylines from season one. We have in Killer Bees, Eric tries to take a date to an Aerosmith concert, but is scared that he's going to run into his parents. In It's a Wonderful Life, Eric fails his driver's test and pretends to pass, while Corey and Sean rents I'm Blowing Up Your Head Part 5, Stumpy's Revenge. (laughs) That sounds like a bluffing script. I know. Right? (laughs) (laughs) It does. Where were your ideas coming from? Like, especially since you had worked primarily in family television, do you, what was your, like, where were, where was your inspiration coming from? Well, you know, it was, it was always, it was always kind of relationship based. I mean, it was always the, and Michael always had such a sense of wanting to have a great message at the end of the day, but not being so dogmatic that you didn't have fun getting there. Yeah, mm, sure. It was always like some weird, crazy journey. And at the end of it, you wound up with, you know, be a better brother. Don't lie to your parents. Right. Um, so I think that it was just remembering my childhood like you just kind of go back and you remember like what were all the things that i was struggling with when i was this age what were my hopes what were my dreams i mean because i think that when you become an adult you often forget the richness of the internal life of children and it is a rich interesting internal life and more, you know, grown up than people often give it credit for. I mean, I think there's a real infantilization. And I think that I hopefully we got around some of that. And hopefully we really, you know, talked about things that kids were struggling with. Speaking of that, we talked a lot about the big change in uh, in focus between season one and season two. And we talked about the big shift in the writer's room as well with April not coming back. Um, so what, what do you remember about that time, about the aging up between season one and season two? Well, I rem- we also didn't we also lose Minkus? Yes, yeah. that's right. He was gone. Yep. Yeah. Lost Minkus. I miss him because he was again, he was part of this kind of younger world. Yeah. And. It was funny because I was talking to my son about this and he was he was asking me to like tell him about the show. And I, you know, I said it started as really a kid show. And then as the kids grew up, the show kind of grew up with them. Yeah, I think that was that was sort of it was clear to us that you guys were growing up and we had to, and we really had to deal with that moving forward. I mean, I, what the one I remember was when you called up Danielle and you're like, I want to cut my hair. That was, yep. <laughs> it was yeah. during the summer. Hey guys. Uh, so it's summer and I really want to cut my hair. Michael's like, what are you no, talking about? I know. That is lit. That episode is, I will say one of my, favorite Hollywood memories. It's and I to this day tell the story of it. 
Do you? Okay, I want to know from your perspective, because again, Rashomon, we all have our own. Did you feel like an enormous sense of responsibility behind me, like (laughs) cutting off my hair? What was going on behind the scenes? Yeah. Okay. So I, I felt an enormous sense of responsibility for you cutting off your hair, because I remember like I was the girl with like the crazy, I always had the crazy long hair. And I remember that I decided that I wanted to get the Dorothy Hamill haircut. Oh my gosh. It was, I looked like the late great Elvis Presley. It was just, um, so when you said you wanted to cut your hair, I had the sense like this was going to be more emotional than you realized. Yeah. You know, does that make sense? Totally. That you were like, oh, she thinks it's going to be no big deal. But there's a big sense of identity there that she doesn't realize. It's why it was so important for us to do the episode and not just have it be, oh, she cut her hair. Because it's like, it's it's huge. And I knew that all any mom who had ever had long hair was going to be like glued to the screen. Yes. Right? And I remember we, it was, it was, it was only about you cutting your hair very, very peripherally because it was about Corey and about his sense of who he was and what his looks were and how he presented to the world and you grabbing your hair and in the bathroom and just chunking it out to prove to him that, that your physical being was not your internal being that like the person you were was not a function of how you looked right and then of course she proves him wrong because she immediately becomes a totally different person yeah Yeah. exactly the whole total meltdown but the but eventually comes around right yep so i remember you having literally before you you grabbed your hair, you grabbed the scissors, and you melted down. I remember we stopped taping. Do you remember that? No. Oh my god. No, but god. I do I do remember that it was a real stop and start. There was the you're you know, you're gonna we grab your hair taping. and you're gonna cut your hair and then and and we'll let you know when you can actually do it. And in in the between time, Jeff McCracken would yell, Stop! Or Michael would yell, Stop! Because we could only cut my hair like one good time. It wouldn't time. yell cut, which is it what you would normally yell. yell. No, it wouldn't <laughs> yell cut, it would yell stop. Just panic. And then the way I was going to get to go and finish it was just they weren't going to yell anything. And so I was like, I even remember then when nobody yelled anything, I was like, I remember you, you sure? crying that day, but I don't remember yeah. why. Yes. I just yeah. remember you crying. That's yeah. what it, that's what that. But I thought you were crying because it was taking so long. It was stressful. Or you were getting yelled at. I feel like you were getting yelled I, at. And I, I was getting yelled at. I remember yeah. getting yelled at. It wasn't because of cutting your hair. I think you wanted to cut your hair. I was dying I to cut my hair. Yeah, yeah. It was just You've been waiting screaming. to cut your hair forever at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of but yelling. I remember you not. I remember you not being sure that you could do it. I remember going back into the makeup area with you. Uh-huh. And. And I remember, this is how I remember it, that you were like, I can't do this. This is too much. It's overwhelming. I just can't. And we stopped. And I Uh remember going in. And I don't know if I was the only one who spoke to you. I can't imagine that I was the only one who spoke to you at this Uh point. Imagine like your mom would have been there talking to you. Yeah, probably. But I remember talking to you and 
trying to walk you through the lesson of the episode, uh-huh. mm-hmm. which was it's hair. Yeah. It's hair. I, I, I mean, I promise you there was nothing I wanted more at the time than to cut my hair. I really wanted to cut my hair. I was so sick of my long hair. I felt like it's like a child with long hair. I mm-hmm. wanted to cut it. I do remember that the actual filming of it was dr- very stressful. And I remember Michael coming up to me and probably because he had heard your story of you cutting your hair and you saying, you know, you look like Elvis after Michael coming up to me and going, show me where you're going to cut it. Show me where, show me where on your short, where are you going to cut it? What, what When you say you want short hair, where are you going to do it? And being like, I'm going to cut it to here. It's like, no, you're going to do it here do it here do it down here and being like okay and like grabbing my hair and figuring out where the scissors were gonna go and again it was you know um when when I when I wasn't supposed to cut my hair they would yell stop and somebody would come running in and it'd be like okay I didn't cut my hair I didn't cut my hair and we did that so many times we had to make sure we had all the shots we needed and then when I was supposed to go just nobody said anything and then I just took the scissors and started hacking away at it um and then that night I got to go home with half cut hair and all I could remember was thinking oh I'm just so excited to have this haircut done tomorrow I'll have this good professional haircut tomorrow which was very very exciting for me Yeah. So how much when you're writing a script and you come up with an idea and the writer's room gets it and they start, you know, putting it all together, how much detail goes into a script and how much of the thought that like we've heard from, you know, when we would sit in note sessions and Michael would tell us about this is really what this is about and it's about this and all the different layers. How much of that is talked about in the writer's room while you're putting together the script? Okay, so there's there's a few processes to putting together this script. So there's there's sort of this initial germ of an idea. And sometimes the germ of an idea is generated by the writer and sometimes by the room. And if it's generated by the room, it gets assigned to somebody. If it's generated by the writer, you usually get to hang on to that germ of an idea and kind of go with it, right? So you have the germ of the idea, you sort of lay out the three act structure and the, you know, the basic movement and kind of what it's about. And then the writer goes home and writes the script. Yeah. All on their own. And then you come back and then they rip your baby to pieces and like (laughs) Frankensteining it and giving it electroshock. And yeah. Yeah. And Michael was notorious for that because I remember, and it was always the same. I love the man to death, but it was always the same. He would, I would come in and he would tell me what an amazing job I had done and uh-huh. how much he loved the script. And then he would put it up on the screen and erase, yep. erase it. And then we would start again. Oh. Like, why did I go out? Like, why did I? Right. Why did I do that? Why did I do that? Why did I do that? But I will tell you what I really admire about Michael and what I really admired about the other guys I worked for, which was not an industry standard, was he never put his name on scripts. Right. Yeah, sure. He never put, he did so much work and so much writing and he never put his name on scripts. And as you know now from all those little green envelopes that come to you, there's a financial cost to that. Right. He never, ever, ever did it. And I remember when I went on and I did Lizzie and I did other things, same thing. I refused to do it. I just, I am not putting my name. I don't care how much work I put into this. I'm, this is for the writers. 
Yeah, it's yeah. like a political speechwriter where it's you you know you're never going to take credit for any of the speeches that any of the presidents or senators or any. A lot of, but a lot of people did. There hmm. were there were other there were other people out there who did, and I always really admired Michael that he didn't. Um, now, I know you said you're not going to violate the sanctity of the writer's room, and I totally respect that. Um, I, I do. No, just curiously, though, because we've heard a lot about kind of season one, the split that was in the room because it was like Team Michael and Team April. I oh, mean, Team Michael all the way. I loathed April Kelly. Really? Oh, yeah. I loathed that woman. Why? She was. She was not a woman's woman is perhaps the best way to put it. Like you would have thought that going into the writer's room, I would have had an ally in the other woman in the room. She hmm. hated me. Really? She hated me from the jump. She hated me from the jump because Michael liked me and thought I was talented. And she found, she was one of those zero sum people that there's a limited amount of talent and success in the world. And anyone who had any of it was taking it out of her pocket. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I have. I have. There are very few people I don't have anything nice to say about. She's one of them. Okay. Well, hey, we get. We're trying to get because again, we're we're not there. We're we're kids. We're not in the writers' room. We have no idea the dynamic that's happening there. So as adults, we're just trying to get as many stories as we can and piece everything together. So for the most part, we're you know. People, April did not want to come on, but had us kind of read a statement on the air. But we've had other people on that were, quote unquote, Team April. And then we've had people on that were Team Michael. And again, one of the things that we always say that was such a positive experience for us is we were completely kept out of this. Yeah, we were shielded um, from it. We did not want you to see mom and dad fighting. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, and, and that was to the benefit of the adults that were around us. There was a lot of things that the adults did that weren't great, but that was one thing that was phenomenal is they made sure that that didn't spill onto the set. We didn't know any of it was going on. So we're kind of piecing the stories together as we go. And, and it's, it's interesting because some people will come on and say, I'm not going to talk about anything that happened in the writer's room. And again, I completely and totally respect that. And then some people will come on and give us little nuggets. And then other people will come on and say like, I hated that person. Um, so we're just trying to, get a glimpse into what the room was like, frankly. So it's, uh, it's and interesting. really we'll never know because, no, because it's so many different perspectives. <laughs> it's, uh... Yeah, because it's interesting because I guess what I was saying about like with Michael, I always felt like he really liked me and liked my work and wanted me involved and was, and was like really there to, to incubate talent and to, and to get the most out of a person, I I found very much the opposite from April. I found that that she was the one who was going to flat out ignore me, flat out not listen to anything I had to say, scorn me, mock me. I mean, like, mm. yeah, okay. And she had two writers that were hers, Ken Kuda, Ken Kuda, and the um, the was the other woman was a wasn't even a writer. She was our writer's assist. Yeah, a writer's, writer's assistant. assistant. But she insisted on her getting a script. I think. Yeah, Jeanette Koticha. Jeanette Kot. Yeah, Jeanette. Yeah, those were her two people. Those were and her Jeanette. Two- Jeanette came on the pod and 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 kind of was very- and wrote and her scripts were both great. Yeah, I mean, she had her scripts were, were she had wonderful two scripts in season one, and we we liked them so much that we were like, we have to track her down. And she she gave us one perspective, frankly, of of what it was like to be in the writers' room, and it was very much Team April. So you know, we want to make sure that we're 
as balanced and fair as we can be. And I can, I can really, I can really, really see that because it is so hard to get a break. And for and April really did put herself out for these two. Mm -hmm. April really, really, they were absolutely her hires, her people. She was taking care of them. And so was Bill Lawrence, who was another person she was really fighting to to you know get a script and then he 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 pitched a spec and and it got through got one yeah what are your memories of us as kids like how did you guys how did you specifically see us well i will say i just you know i i don't feel like i got to spend an enormous amount of time with you yeah you know what I mean? I I felt like all the time I spent with you was kind of working time. But when I did get a chance to to be with you outside of that, I was always so proud. I always felt like you guys were such good kids with such good values. I remember, writer, when you got your first paycheck, you bought books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you bought beautiful, beautiful, beautiful books. And I'm like, yeah. these are, these are wonderful kids. And I, and I really felt like Michael was really a family man. And he really did try to keep a respectful, family oriented set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really admired that. I really admired that. And I and when I went on, that was like important to me to like, it's got to be a good family set. What who were some of your favorite guest stars that we had over the years? I mean, we had Brittany Murphy, Tony Quinn, obviously, who was there for all of second season. Uh, you Alex know, any, Desire, Alex anybody, Desire, yeah. third season. Also, Adam Scott. Like, did you yeah. have any favorite guest stars? Um, 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 was it Cheap Trick? Oh, yes. one of the guitar- <laughs> yeah, one yeah. of the guitarists. The guitarist from Cheat Trick yes. was there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was, was so, yeah, that was like, yeah. He wasn't was his tongues, though, was he? he was, I he think was, he was. Was yeah. he one of the tongues? He was He's one, one of, the- of the tongues. Okay. He was one of the tongues. Interesting. <laughs> and you worked with Sherman a bunch, too, because if you went on to You Wish, that was basically you two, right? You Wish was like, I remember when we finished You Wish, my Nina Bargell. I don't know uh, who was my assistant and who I took on to be a writer on Lizzie. Um, She asked, she came to me with all the scripts for you wish. And she asked, what should I do with them? And I said, well, hang on to them. And if I ever get like too full of myself, just bust out these scripts and show them (laughs) to me. (laughs) So that was not a great experience. Not a good experience. Apparently it was, it was so interesting. It was like, it was surreal. It was absolutely surreal because, you know, we had created this show with a genie who could do anything. So then you had to come up with all the reasons why the genie couldn't just solve every problem with like the snap. Right. Sure. Of right. His fingers. And we and then we kind of a lot of times we went down the uh, I dream of genie road, which was, you know, the major told her that she can't use her Right, you know, magic you, this way. Right? Right. So, but we switched the sexes. So the we had a female mom and then the male genie. So the mom just came off as the death of all fun. Like you must not ever do anything fun, right? Mm-hmm. So, and it was, and then we, I, we spent more money on that. 
then, we were so insanely over budget on that. But I will say that I was the one who pitched that he lived in Barbie's dream house, which I felt was prescient. (laughs) There you go. I'm like, we are going to build Barbie's dream house. And that is where the genie is going to live. I love that. (laughs) Well, you left us and you went on to EP and scored two Emmy nominations for Lizzie McGuire. So what was that experience like? Tell us everything about being on Lizzie McGuire. I loved it. It was the same sort. It was interesting. I came in right after the pilot and the woman who had written the pilot got, uh, had written two pilots that year, one with Gina Davis. Hmm. And she decided to go do the Gina Davis pilot. And Disney asked me if I wanted to take over this little show on the Disney channel. And I'm like, absolutely. That sounds like, you know, let me come in and look at it. And it was kind of a train wreck. And I rewrote it and reshot it. And and we were filming over in Hollywood. And Disney was over in Burbank. And because it was like such this little crappy thing, nobody really wanted to drive. So I kind of got to do my own thing. And it was really, really, really fun. It got to be my own little vision. And I just loved every minute of it. But at the end, there was, you know, there was a certain amount of infighting and Hillary really wanted to go on and have a movie career. And um, she forced Disney to cancel the series, which kind of broke my heart. Wow. Yeah. So how yeah, long was, did it last? Uh, we, we were only on for two seasons. Wow. And at the end of the second season, we went and we did the Lizzie McGuire movie, which yeah. I did with Dexter and Strauss. Yep. Oh, great. Oh, cool. Brought in Dector and Strauss to rewrite me because they were like, oh, like, well, we're, we're going to bring in people to rewrite you. And I'm like, who? And they said, Dector and Strauss. I'm like, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, bring them. This is going to be perfect. So we uh, got together and did a writer's room and redid it. And it was it was the most awesome experience being back with those guys. But um, in order to agree to do the movie, she insisted that the series be canceled. She wouldn't do the movie unless they canceled the series. Yeah, that was kind of par for the course at the time there where it was it was Miley Cyrus and everybody that were kind of wanted to break out of the Disney shell. So they went and did, you know, covers of magazines or something where it was, you know, tried to be provocative in some way to get yeah. Disney to let them go. So, yeah, interesting time. Right. Well, yeah. back then, Disney Channel just didn't, it was, you know, it was like there was network and then there was Disney Channel. Right, and right. And also just even being on a kid's show, you know, like yeah. it was always there was it was hard to move out of any of those realms. Yeah. Into and if we thought else. we were on a kid's show, if you were on a Disney Channel show, you were like, exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 And the budgets, I mean, Disney is just notoriously did not spend money on their shows yeah. either. You know, like Disney Channel shows would just have no budget compared yeah. to a network show. Yeah. We talk a lot about moms on this podcast and how important they are to us. Absolutely. Without Jen Fischel, what pictures would we post on our social media? But above and beyond all the incredible mom things they did for us, laundry, dinners, let us travel to Los Angeles alone to chase our dreams of acting. Will, what, what else was your mom doing? Uh, my mom was also running all three courts in Connecticut while authoring books. Wow. Well, whether your mom was a legal trailblazer or just the greatest source of inspiration and care in the world, this Mother's Day, she deserves some flowers. You're right. And that's why I'm sending mine farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And while I'm teaching you things, 
How about 25% off your entire Books order so you can join us in treating our mothers to a beautiful arrangement? Love it. Here's why I like the Books company. They are different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. That's really cool. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Your mom is unique, so she deserves flowers just as special. And Books is simple. I went online, picked the delivery date, and I'm done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your Books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Go to books.com and use promo code WORLD for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com promo code WORLD. Books promo code WORLD. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh... Every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by the experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. So looking back now, 30 years later, with as a name that is just so ingrained with Boy Meets World from the start, what are your thoughts on Boy Meets World today? Are you shocked to see that it still resonates all these years later, despite at the time it being a mid-level hit? No, absolutely not, because there's something so essentially good about it. And it really was a show designed for a family to watch together. It was really a TGIF show. Yeah. We tried to put in enough humor for adults to watch and kids to enjoy and never have a moment when the parents would be remotely concerned about what they were going to see. And so I, and honestly, I miss it. Oh, uh, obviously, WGA is on strike, but what are you doing now? Or are you are do you consider yourself to be retired, semi-retired? Would you would you what do you want? What do you want to do now? Oh, my gosh. What do I want to do now? I'm doing uh, I'm doing some charity work. I okay. my mom and I just my mom is still alive. 90 years old. Oh, that's um, great. Has she my has mom, she forgiven you for not being a poet? 
No. Okay. So he literally <laughs> still harps on it. Literally to this day harps on it no matter well, what. Get writing. Get some poetry written. Come on. Um, I, she and I just bought a vet clinic in Barstow to offer low cost veterinary services to the high desert community. Oh, that's great. Wow. That's That's wonderful. That is charity work. And then my college roommate and I are just finishing up a novel. My college roommate, um, she was also became like kind of famous in her own right. She wrote Dying Young, the Julia Roberts movie. Yeah. a movie so she was sort of a big novelist so we decided to sit down and write and oh my god this is like this is crazy you guys don't even know this about me my great grandmother was a serial killer <gasps> what uh, this is th- we're this is 49 minutes in interview? how do we not start with that <laughs> always lead with serial killer serial killer grandma now you have to have me back right yeah. that's true wow. let's leave as a cliffhanger and goodbye my great it was a serial killer and my thought was like not like how do you wind up like kind of doing that right, right. Like, how do you get into that sort of work thank you exactly <laughs> so i'm like there's a story there and so that's yeah. what you're writing a novel about oh wow I, well, it was nice talking to you, so, Susan. So, yeah, hold, no, on, hold on, hold on. Goodbye. It was great wait, to see you. Wait, wait. Can you <laughs> give us the Cliff Notes version of, of, of no. who this person was and yeah. what she did? Can we get a little bit about her? Just the Cliff okay, Notes. Okay, so she, she, we have very long generations in my family. We take a long time to like get traction. So this was, she finally died in Miami in the 50s, swathed in jewels and furs. Oh, I love okay. it. That's how I want to go. Uncaught, like nobody ever caught her. Seven, seven husbands died. Yes. We, according to family lore, only six of them were intentional. Oh, one died of natural causes. Well, that's okay. Right. But like six, uh, maybe. And then she would, but she got away with it because, well, one, she was staggeringly beautiful. So, and she was, she was a beautiful young woman in a time when beautiful young women didn't have a lot of options. She had an unattractive cousin who was a mathematician who wrote the mathematics describing the surface tension of water. So great grandmother was not an idiot, but she was very, had very few opportunities and marrying well was a real opportunity. Most serial Mary killers are actually pretty well. smart. Yeah, most most serial killers are actually pretty smart. If you look at some of the Bundys and all the, I don't know yes. why I know that, but yeah. they're all, yeah. the, okay. So, well, that's going to be a fun right? book. Yeah. That's going to yeah, be a it's fun sort of, it, I said it, I brought it, I modernized it somewhat. I brought it up into the San Fernando Valley in the 80s and sort of made it Thelma and Louise meets Casino. Okay. Oh, I love it. Oh, cool. That sounds and great. And now was this, did the serial killer aspect make its way into any You Wish episodes or not? <laughs> no. No, no okay. it, it's so weird. It was always such a, it was, it was like telling somebody that I had blue eyes. Like it was just, it seemed so obvious. I don't know why I always thought it was obvious that people would kind of. That you had a serial killer, killer grandmother. I don't know. Like it just seemed like it wasn't worth mentioning. <laughs> I always assumed. I always assumed you did. Yeah, yeah. I, always I, assumed you did. I didn't want to bring it up because I figured everybody knew, but I was like, I bet her grandmother was a serial killer. 
Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just figured. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm I'm working on that, and then you know I have a 14 year old son. Wow. wow. I have a 14-year-old son who wanted to say hello. Did you want to say hello? Come in. Like, yes. so excited about saying hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you? How are you? I will. What's your son's name? Uh, my name is uh, Jeffrey. Hi, Jeffrey. Uh, hi, Jeffrey. My mom is a legend. <laughs> yes, she, she is. is. <laughs> Did she How just cute. break the news to you that your great-grandmother is a serial killer? Great-great. Yeah, I, I, I was sitting on the chair over there, and I was just like... <laughs> Oh my god, you didn't know that? No. We've been talking about this for years. Oh my god. See, this is what I'm saying. All the family dinners that I haven't been picking up on this. It's just not like things are starting to make sense. But I would say that it you can't really go back to television and be a mom. Yeah. So but now he's, you know, now he's a big guy. So now he's old enough and I'm thinking about maybe dipping my toe back in just because it was, it was the greatest. I mean, now wasn't it the greatest? It was, it was good times. Every day you got up and you were so excited about showing up. Like there was never a day that I didn't wake up thrilled to be going to work. Yeah, oh, that's great. And just loving every minute of it, even when it was like stressful or annoying. I always knew it was amazing. Yeah. I was always. And yeah. that's what I was saying about like that hit feeling like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Boy, it was such a positive set. It yes. was. I mean, I feel like we were always yeah. laughing. We were always having yeah. a good time. I wanted yes. to go to work every day, too. I was excited. Same. I couldn't day. wait. Yeah. Well, Susan, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experiences and your stories with us. It was so great to see you again. Oh, my God. Yes. And when I finish my book, when I finish my serial killer book, I will come back and I will plug it with you. Yes, please. Well, we also want to have you come back when we eventually get to recap one of your episodes. Um, We'd love to have you come back and do a little recap with us and talk about all that when we get to it. I would love to do it. Talk to you guys later. Great to see you. Bye. Oh, another reunion in the Jeez. books, guys. 30 years, 30 years in the making. I think the I think the the biggest issue that we face with memories with this podcast is Hollywood is a place of stories and everyone not only loves to tell, you know, everyone is a natural storyteller. If you're uh-huh. in Hollywood, whether you're sure. an actor, you're a writer, you're a producer, you love stories and you yeah. love to tell stories. And so a side effect of that is that everyone creates stories while Around. you're on set, while right. you're, so it's like, so she had, you know, for instance, like the haircutting story, right? Right. Like we all have our own version, but in reality, like what she's remembering is mostly her writing the script and which was yes. the story of that. And right. she's transposed. I think what she remembers you being upset that day, she's made it about the haircutting story. And it's like, it's a story on a story on a story. And so she's been able to tell a version of that, you know, as part of her career, part of her, the writing experience she had. Whereas of course you had a much more like visceral reaction to like, grown men yelling at you while you're cutting your hair. That's what you were crying about. You just wanted to cut your hair. I just wanted to cut my hair. And I (laughs) was asked, could you please wait to write an episode about it? But she has 30 years of storytelling, you know, based on basically the script that she had or why she wrote it. Cutting her hair was very an emotional experience. So no matter what happened with what, with the screaming or why I could have been yelling somewhere, she would have thought she doesn't know it, but she's also very emotional about her her hair. Like for her, because that was her experience. And 
so what she has remembered from that is that I was so emotional about losing my hair. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thank you all for joining us for this episode of Pod Meets World. As always, you can follow our Instagram, Pod Meets World Show. You can send us your emails, Pod Meets World Show at gmail.com. And we have merch. Turns out our merchandise is a serial killer. Oh, what a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Podmeetsworldshow.com. And we will see you all next time. Will, send us out. We love you all. Pod dismissed. Pod Meets World is an iHeart podcast produced and hosted by Danielle Fischel, Will Friedle, and Ryder Strong. Executive producers Jensen Karp and Amy Sugarman. Executive in charge of production, Danielle Romo. Producer and editor, Tara Sudbach. Producer, Jackie Rodriguez. Engineer and Boy Meets World superfan, Easton Allen. Our theme song is by Kyle Morton of Typhoon. And you can follow us on Instagram at Pod Meets World Show or email us at podmeetsworldshow at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves, and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. When it comes to Pod Meets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to 303 mile range, available two-way charging and other category defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched out electric vehicles ever. And as you know, we are tech heads. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. And with the available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car, backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions, and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class. And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.